Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined today by playwright Stephen J. Harris, whose new show, The Devil and the Playwright, recently played at Theater for a New City. And there are some prospective upcoming productions of the show, which we are very excited to be sharing with you when they're announced. But in the meantime, Stephen, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. It's very excited to hear the intro live. That is very cool <laughs> for me. So thank you for having me. Oh, it is an honor to have you here. I'm so excited to talk more about the show, The Devil on the Playwright. We've been kind of exchanging messages via Instagram. And I'm I'm so sorry that we missed the show at Theater for a New City, but I'm very excited that there are plans in the work to continue producing this in the future. And I just really want to know more about the show. It, uh, the title alone sounds fantastic. So could you tell us a little bit more about the show? Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's really funny. Uh, whenever I told people about the show, they were like, wow, this title is like... What is it about? And then they're always surprised by the content. So essentially, it is a play about writing a play. I've had trouble putting my finger on how to exactly describe it. Is it a meta comedy, dramedy, whatever? But basically, it's a play about this character, Jordi. She is a playwright trying to write an original play and struggling. And so she makes a deal with the devil to exchange her soul for his help in writing an original play. And they go on these journeys through all these different scenes and they meet all these different very wacky characters almost like comedia-esque caricatures of characters there's a prince there's a gangster a singer a, a wizard at one point and all played by the same two actors actually who are named, known as the players and then they also meet uh, this barkeeper character named joanne and jordy falls in love with joanne instantly and then starts doubting if she's a character or not and what to do with that and decides to bust the two of them out of the play, which sort of takes everything off the the rails. Wow. I love it. It's like a, a, a twist on the devil and Daniel Webster kind of thing. You know, it's very... Absolutely. So how did you come up with the idea of the show then? So it's it's really funny because it sounds like the most like, oh my God, I'm such a writer thing. But I was, I was writing a different show. I was working on my first full-length play, which was this play about the Swiss army called Neutrality, a Rebuttal, which I ended up producing last year at the New York Theater Festival. And I was in the process of writing this army drama that's very dark and says a lot about, I guess, because military, military forces in Switzerland and in the world over. And then I started reading Biloxi Blues by... Neil Simon and I got really upset with myself because I was like wow somebody wrote a better version of the play I'm writing 80 years before I wrote mine and so I was a bit in my feelings about it so I sat down and I just started writing this monologue because I was upset about how nothing is original and everything's already been written and then all of a, all of a sudden this devil character showed up just showed up don't know don't know where he came from don't know where he went just showed up in the play and was like great this is Faust now because essentially the the play is based on Faust, Goethe's Faust specifically, but also the general person makes deal with devil to get power or whatever story. And that's how I started writing it. And as I was editing the other show and we were producing that, I would just get home at night and bring out all the creative juices I still had in me and put them in this play and just saw where the story went. And I, if I can spoil the show a little bit for a brief second, I will... I will, to briefly spoil the show, I quickly realized that it was going to be a three-actor 
and that after act two, the devil has to die. And I was like, how funny would it be to see a show that's about a devil and a playwright trying to write a play together, and then after act two, the devil's gone and not in the play anymore. And just how, and there's like, how do you kill the devil? And why do you kill the devil? And what happens after? And that's sort of the big hinge of the second act is that the escape is not actually an escape. It's still, they're still trying to figure their way out of the play because they're still in it because the play's still going. And which ends in a confrontation where the devil is done away with. And it was just a blast writing this play because it kept surprising me. I could just put the characters there and they would do funny things and I would write it down. That's just how it felt, essentially. That is amazing. I love that. So what has it been like developing the show? It was it was a great pleasure, I will say. So for this production specifically, it helped me a lot to develop the play because I was writing it as I was rewriting other things because I, I like to juggle things. I usually am writing three things at once at different stages. So there's always one thing I'm actively writing. There's one thing I'm actively rewriting. And then one thing I'm playing around with a little bit. And so this was my playing around with play until it became my actively writing play, which halted progress. And I wrote not a single sentence for about a half a year. And then I sent it to a friend of mine, uh, Bradley Valenzuela, who ended up directing this production. And he was like, I would love to direct this. And so I had a deadline and somebody to send stuff to. So I ended up sending it to him and I wrote it act by act. And then I rewrote it act by act. It was the first play I've written how you say like continuously i'm like from start to finish i wrote it in that order except for the devil death scene which came before and that was just a, a really fascinating process and then getting in the room with the actors was phenomenal they were all beyond amazing and the stuff they did in the room influenced how the the script came out and we added a prelude to the show like in the first week of rehearsal so there's this five minute prelude where the two players come out and talk about how this is a play and how it's changing and how it's a little wacky and just be along for the ride. And it was just honestly an honor and a joy. And then to get to do it at Theater for the New City, because we were looking into uh, producing it with them. But then I also knew that their calendar was quite backdated because they have a lot of new shows they produce. And we had crowdsourced, well, we had crowdfunded after a reading we had done back in September of last year. And that funding was enough to get us a space. So we decided to work with Theatre for the New City. We ran it ourselves in for a week and put the production together, started rehearsing in March. And we were up and running by end of April. And now it's it's come and gone, this production of it. But it's it's also helped me a lot to see where there's still corners to cut and things to iron out in the script. I love that. So what is the message or the thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from The Devil and the Playwright? It's so interesting because if you had asked me before we did the play and after, my answer would have changed. Because before I thought it was, it's always been a play about making art and how we as artists get in the way and how we as artists treat each other and how society treats artists in their creative process. It's a play that speaks a lot about stuff like writer's block and criticism and, and all in all its shapes and forms, necessary and not and useful and not. and yeah, like internal blockages and how we look down on each other as artists and how we compete. And that was the big focus on it in my mind when I was writing it was how do we treat ourselves and each other as artists? And how does that impact the creative process? But I was talking to to my mentor after he saw it and I was seeing it myself and I realized it was 
very much about, I guess, who's in charge of the narrative as well. Like how, how do we tell stories and why, and who's in charge of telling these stories and how they turn out and what do we do with that? And who do we do that for? That might sound very cryptic, but it very much is, it's a play about plays and it's a play about stories and it's self-referential. My, my big thing in general is always, I want the audience to walk away thinking that's the big takeaway in everything I write is I don't need people to agree with me. I'm okay with people thinking that it wasn't good. I'm okay with people cursing me out over it because they disagree with me. But as long as they think about the play, what it had to say, or what they think it had to say, what their values were going in and what their values are now, I have done my job as a writer. Because if we put out art that doesn't inspire or make people think in some way, then why take up space with it? That's how I feel, at least about my own writing. If I'm putting out something that has no purpose, and I'm not saying like people, again, I'm not saying people have to walk out and be like, wow, he's so right. I'm going to change everything I do. It's just like, how does that impact me? In the smallest of ways, there's a great quote. A friend of mine who directed my last show imparted on me that he had learned from a teacher of his, which was theater is political in its way by, even when it's not political, in the sense that the relationships we showcase on stage are what is extrapolated in people's minds. You have a play about, you go see any Sam Shepard play and you have a play about brotherhood or about fatherhood. And it makes you think, how do I treat my brother, my friend, my fellow human? And what do I go doing? Where do I go going forward? And that's what I want people to take away, I guess. Might sound like a cop out, but yeah, as long as you think as you walk out of my plays, I'm happy. No, that's a brilliant answer. I love that. And that's a perfect segue into my last question in this first part, which is who do you hope have access to your show? I want, this might sound again, self-aggrandizing. I want everybody to be able to see my shows and any show. I think theater is one of the most beautiful ways of telling stories and giving art to people that we have. I think it's one of our oldest because, I mean, if you think about it, what is theater if not people telling a state telling a story to other people but you don't need a stage or lights or anything all you need is a person who has a story to tell and somebody to listen and we've been doing that for literal centuries and millennia and the fact that we live in a world where theater has made itself inaccessible is hugely saddening and it is also i think dangerous in itself for the art of theater because then we start asking ourselves a question then that's where the business comes in that's where it's who, who are you going to sell it to and who's going to walk through the door? Who's going to buy tickets? Who's going to invest? And all these things are reality we've become accustomed to. But the art at the center is for everyone, at least in my mind. Of course, I also understand that the lens I view things through is very much skewed for my personal experience. I am a white cis European man and the play is very European. I try not to write too much like any other white cis European writers because there have been a lot of them and it is time for other voices or voices that bring something different to it. This play is also very much for artists, I guess. I want artists to be able to see it and think about how they treat themselves. It helped me treat myself as an artist better. But in essence, yeah, everyone, hopefully.
I want to change lanes now. And yes. I want to let our listeners have a chance to get to know you a little bit better. I wish they were all on board before we started with our lovely conversation, but we'll invite them in now. And I want to start by asking what inspires you, what playwrights, shows, composers inspire you, or some that you love. That is a beautiful question and a question that keeps evolving as I learn about more theater. I am not from here. English is not my first language. And so I grew up on stories told in German and Swiss German and sometimes French, even though that was more rarely the case. But to, to give an answer to your question, actually, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention Tom Stoppard. I have not read a Tom Stoppard play that I have not loved. I have not seen Leopoldstadt and I keep meaning to go. And I'm going to go one of these days. It's just the timing or the money has never worked out. But everything of his that I've read has been fantastic. Eduardo Machado, as a teacher, but also as a playwright, moves me deeply. And I love the way his works sing. I've really fallen in love with Lorraine Hansberry's work. I think, again, one of the best voices we've had in our, in our art form. Gone far too soon, just to think of the works that could have been. But the works that are are so transcendent. I've really fallen in love with Annie Baker's work, the way specifically the play The Aliens has stuck with me ever since I first read it. I got had the privilege of working on it for an acting class and and it has stuck with me ever since. And I can see moments where I try to not emulate it, but like I, I guess the the old saying goes, steal from the best and try to like make it your own. It's just the the way language is used in her place, the way silence is used specifically in the aliens is so profound. And it makes me think, like, why does there have to be talking on stage all the time? When is there silence on stage and what does it serve? So those are big theater influences when it comes to composers. Stephen Sondheim, of course, couldn't, couldn't not mention Stephen Sondheim. Hugely impactful, too. I started out in musical theater, so his work has been hugely impactful to that art form and to me by extension. I love the poetry and the lyrics of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think they are beyond gorgeous and hopeful and inspiring. Jonathan Larson, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Larson falls with Lorraine Hansberry and a few other writers that I hope to emulate in this. Like, It's a dangerous category for me because, as I said before, I am still, I still have a lot to learn. I am not yet wise, nowhere near wise. And there's a part of me that is very much infatuated with the idea of the suffering artist. And there is a romanticization of the, the artist who died before their time that is in my mind that I sometimes am like, just like, keep an eye on that. So seeing, hearing more of Jonathan Larson's work and seeing his writing has just been beautifully moving as much as it is a button that I, that I eye my own emotions towards, so to speak. <laughs> I love that. Some great names in there that I also am a huge fan of. And you mentioned Leopoldstadt, which leads me to my next question, which is, have you seen any great theater you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I'm trying to think. The thing about me is when I start getting deep into a project, I disappear into it. And so that's all I do, aside from like going to work, is I kind of disappear into that. And that's where my mind stays. But I did yesterday because a good friend of mine was visiting did see shucked on broadway and i have to say i thoroughly enjoyed it and i love the fact that a show can just be silly i like the fact that there is a show that is unapologetically silly and i think that's 
beautiful because theater is also entertainment. And I think, as I was saying earlier, it has something to say, but sometimes what you have to say is, hey, let's have a good time together. Let's tell some very corny jokes. I, I really appreciated that. I'm trying to think. I saw Eduardo Machado's last play, Not About Me, which deeply moved me and re-inspired me to make my work more sharp because I was sitting there in the audience and I went, this is so sharp, I could cut myself on it. And then I went, I guess I have to write so sharp that I can cut myself on. And that's sort of been the, the growth journey I've been on. A while back, I guess, um, also saying Passover, seeing Passover on Broadway, one of the first things that was back, deeply moved me, brilliantly active, brilliantly written. And again, like a show that just cuts to the core. I think that's the writing that stays with me the most is the one where I walk out. And not only am I thinking, but also it feels like my heart has been gripped for two hours. And that is hugely thrilling. And it's what I seek out in everything I seek out in theater. I love all that. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I'd be remiss if I didn't say the community. I think our industry, as much as we give each other flack and as much as there is at times in corners flack to give, I have rarely met such kind-hearted, genuine, heart-forward, open people as in the theater industry. Uh, I've I've also been very lucky with the cast that I worked with because I, I also worked as an actor. But I have not done a show where there wasn't at least one person that I absolutely adored and that has stayed in my life as a friend. And that is something that I think our art, with it being so collaborative, has a big is, is a big privilege, I guess, in our art form to to get to meet people like that. And then secondly, it's to get to tell stories, to get to tell stories and get to move people and allow them to hear it and spread, spread it among the people, have them form their own thoughts about it, see it inspire them and how it makes them move. It's, it's just a beautiful privilege. That is a wonderful answer. Absolutely. Well, that leads me to my favorite question to ask, and I'm excited to hear yours. And it's, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, my. Oh, there are so many. One, and this would be, it's not a pinpoint one, but it's, you know how sometimes memories merge into one, especially when it's from like childhood. You've seen many images of it and impulses. I got to go to a lot of operas growing up because my uncle was in no, now he's retired, but he was a journalist and they would sometimes get free tickets. And so he would bring me along and just sitting as like a five, six year old in these like smaller opera houses in in Switzerland, getting to see fantastic art being performed again, to hear the voices and the compositions and everything has been hugely life changing for me. I started out as a singer. I, I, to sing, I, I like to say I, I sang before I acted and I acted before I wrote. And that was hugely, hugely shaping just opera in general. I have this memory of seeing Tosca for the first time and, and that big, now I can't name it, of course, but the big aria that she sings after the supposed, after the death of her, of her love that is so hugely heart shattering will stay with me forever. And then I think, secondly, there have been so many shows that I've walked into and come out being like, this is why I do what I want to do. And this is what has moved me. But I think, the first time I saw, yes, the first time I saw Come From Away to pick musical theater because musical theater has had my heart the longest. I saw it in London 
Mm-hmm. And I, I was still in college and I went to see it and I cried from start to finish. And I walked out and I went, that is why I want to do what I want to do. And that is why I do what I do, to tell a story like that and to make people feel the way I have just felt. And I, 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 I can't not mention that, I guess. What wonderful memories. I mean, yes. And come from away. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing those. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to. That was that was a real trip down memory lane. Wow. That that got me emotional all over again. Now I'm gonna I know what I'm gonna listen to as I finish <laughs> cleaning my apartment out of this. Well, are there any other productions or projects you have coming out on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? So as we were chatting about, so with this script specifically, we're looking to have more productions of it in the future. There's a few things in the talks, nothing that I can fully plug yet because no ink has been put to any contracts. No theaters have been booked or or anything of the sort, but I am continuously writing. I'm privileged and lucky to announce that for the Low East Side Festival of the Arts, which is done by Theater for the New City, there will be a, an excerpt of a thing I wrote over <laughs> this past Christmas, because I was in New York doing a show, but we were off for Christmas. I was by myself in my apartment. My roommates were all gone. I was far away from my family. I had mononucleosis, and I stayed up until two or three in the morning every night writing this play. And then I realized it needed poetry and so i reached out to my friend emily cohen who's a fantastic songwriter and poet and was like hey here's some scenes do you want to put poetry in between this and she went yes so we put together this thing that we're still working on but we'll have a 10 minute excerpt of it at the side festival of the arts i don't know which of the three days yet but that's definitely something that's coming up and otherwise yeah i'm in talks with both theater for the new city and other theaters hopefully to have more of my works done and you know me i am always writing something always working on something so there will definitely be things down the line well finally if our listeners want more information about the devil and the playwright or about you perhaps they'd like to reach out to you how can they do that so i think easiest is instagram my handle is at steph diesel that's s-t-e-f diesel as in the fuel that is not used anymore over here apparently that's something i learned when I moved over here because it's bad for the planet and we shouldn't be using it or like I think it's still used but maybe the outlaw in it in Europe something like that but yeah Steph Diesel there's also we have an Instagram for the devil and the playwright which was this past production but I am planning on using it for future productions which is at devil playwright play playwright is with a gh as I always forget when I write things down but I have gotten in the habit of reminding myself and yeah that's where you can find things about me and I'll also, I'm working on making a website and a newsletter and all these things, but that's sort of taking a backseat as I've been developing this show and being a foreign actor and, and performer artist in New York, which is workload of its own. So uh, very much keep, stay tuned for that. And there'll be more, more things down the lane, down the line to come. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time today to, to talk to us and share this incredible show as well as just other things that you've been working on, are working on. I I can't wait to see the show fully done again, as well as all the other works that you have in the pipeline, especially with this Lower East Side Festival that's coming up. So thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a joy. I've really enjoyed getting to chat theater and chat a little bit of baseball at the end. And it's just <laughs> been a big honor to get to be here and talk about my my things for a little bit, talk about telling stories. And I just want to, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you. My guest today has been the playwright Stephen J. Harris, whose recent show, The Devil and the Playwright, just wrapped up its run at Theater for the New City. But don't worry, it's going to be getting produced again very soon. We will keep you posted on when and where that happens. In the meantime, the Lower East Side Theater Festival is coming up, and you can catch some excerpts from some of Stephen's work. So make sure you go out there and check that out. If you'd like more information about Stephen, or maybe you just want to contact him, hit him up to talk some baseball. You can find him on Instagram at Steph Diesel. You can also find more information about the devil and the playwright on Instagram at devil playwright play. And we're going to have all this information posted on our episode description, as well as on our social media. So make sure to follow Steven, make sure to check out this show. It's a wonderful, wonderful show. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One thing the praises of gave. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.